Welcome to a special interview episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Tamanini. On today's episode, I'm in conversation with Andrew Sellen, who is currently starring as Hercule Poirot in the Malt Jupiter Theater's production of Ken Ludwig's adaptation of Murder on the Orient Express. Obviously, this is an Agatha Christie title that has seen more than its fair share of adaptations on both stage and screen. But as is Ludwig's want, he takes not only the iconic original mystery text and adds his own special brand of humor to put together a thrillingly entertaining stage mystery. The show is currently running through November 12th at the Malt Jupiter Theater down here in Florida. I will be going on Thursday to see it. I'm very excited about this. Longtime listeners will know how much I love Agatha Christie. In my conversation with Andrew, we talk all things Christie, all things Poirot, including accents and mustaches. We get into what makes Agatha Christie's characters so theatrical. And of course, she not only wrote for the stage herself, but she also adapted her own works for the stage as well. We talk about what makes productions at the Malt Jupiter Theater so special. And we get a little bit into the incredible visual feast that the Malt Jupiter has in store with this production. Obviously, it's set on a train, so you need a fairly impressive set piece to make that work. Of course, in the show notes, we will also have information where you can purchase tickets, again, running through November 12th. Cannot wait to see this one. Malt Jupiter Theater always does incredible work, and there's no mystery that this one should be a ton of fun. All right, with all of that out of the way, here's my conversation with Andrew Sellen. Okay, Andrew, so the first question I have to ask, we have seen so many different people play Hercule Poirot over the years, and I'm so I'm assuming you're doing some sort of accent. Do you lean more David Suchet or Kenneth Branagh when it comes to the voice of your Poirot? I don't lean in anyone else's direction. I'm in my own direction. Um, I saw the Albert Finney years ago. I have not seen the Branagh, and I never worry about that. The thing is about a performance, that's why Hamlet can be done ultimately, you know, as many times as there are actors who want to do it. It's going to be different each time because of the actor who's playing the role. It just comes with it. My my voice, my body, my psyche, everything is different from any other actors you might want to put in the same shoes. Uh, and, you know, I have specifics to my background that I do think are a real help to me in a way that I feel particularly connected with Poirot. Uh, if that makes any sense. So so what would be those those connections that you have? Well, a couple of them. Uh, one of them is that uh, I'm, I'm fairly fluent with French. Now, he's Belgian, and that is a big sort of running joke as people are always calling him French, and it really annoys him. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I'm pretty fluent with French, and my best friend is actually Belgian. So uh, I have some some link up to Belgium already. And also, when I was a teenager... Um, one of my favorite things to do was go to the local library and just check out a whole bunch of Agatha Christie's. Of course. Uh, when I was a kid, I pretty much, I think I read all of them right up through curtain. I, you know, no one could quiz me on them now because they've all sort of mushed together in my brain over <laughs> the years. But I'm a huge fan of Agatha Christie and particularly of Hercule Poirot. So the chance to actually be Hercule Poirot is incredible. You You talked about the fact that coming into this iconic character, both in literature and on stage and screen, that every different actor brings something a little bit different to it, but also every different writer brings something to it. Obviously, doing a production like this written by Ken Ludwig is going to be much different than if it's given a a much more mystery drama focus like we've seen on film. When you are taking something that is 
as iconically, you know, at the center of murder mystery lore. And then you put it with an incredibly funny stage director or a stage writer. How does that those two kind of different philosophies blend together? And I'd imagine they blend together probably a little bit more naturally than people would assume otherwise. Absolutely. Uh, Agatha Christie was no stranger to humor herself. There's humor all through her books, including Monsieur Poirot, who is a little vain and has quite a large ego. And she pokes fun at that now and then. Um, Peter Amster, our, our brilliant director, who I've worked with a few times, including here at the Moss Jupiter, he has a wonderful phrase for it, which is that we want to balance the shtick and the stakes. And I think that's exactly what Ken Ludwig does in this adaptation. For anyone who's seen the movies, you know, or read the novel, uh, there are differences here because it has been tailored for the stage. A lot of characters are not here. He has whittled things down. Some characters have been combined and he's done it really, really well. You know, the Agatha Christie estate was, was smart in trusting that Ken Ludwig could do this. And what he does is, yes, he adds his own sort of brand of humor to it for sure, but we're making very sure in this production that we never lose sight of the very serious mystery and the murder in question that's underlying the entire story. So I think it is that balance of shtick and stakes that makes it so entertaining. It's a lot of fun, but there's also a lot more going on. And there's also, it's, you know, Christy herself when pressed, you know, they asked her, what do you think is, is your, your favorite Hercule Poirot mystery? And she said, uh, Murder on the Orient Express. And I think in a, lot of, in a lot of ways, it's because of the moral question that is posed to Poirot and that he must really struggle with in the course of the play. So it's a great script, faithfully adapted, but creatively adapted. And yet Peter Emster's production, I think, is going to bring out not just the humor, but also the heart, the heart and uh, the pain behind the, the, the repercussions of such a, a, a horrible crime. This is not the first time that you have done a, a, a mystery that was adapted from a different format, whether that is literature or film, uh, into a comedic stage production and directed by Peter Amster at the Maltz Jupiter Theater. You've also done it. Otherwise, you did the 39 Steps there, which is a, a different type of stage comedy, but but not too dissimilar, not only because they have trains that play uh, <laughs> big parts uh, <laughs> of, of the story there, but you talked about kind of like the expectations of different productions and different, you know, movies and novels and TVs. But when you go into doing something like this, how important is it for you to know the source material, either just as background to then bounce off of? Or do you try to eliminate those things? Like even if you've seen it or read it in the past, you try to distance yourself from those things so that you can start fresh with your version of the character in the story. Mm -hmm. Now, it's a great question. Uh, and I can only answer for me. Uh, because I think it varies actor to actor. Sure. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I have gone back to the source material, and that's why I say, yeah, yeah, I, I'm remembering now, not having read it since I was a teenager, there are so many characters, and they're just not in this version. He has whittled it down so that there is just this train car of eight suspects. Uh, and I think it's, you know, it's a funny thing, because... There's so much going on and you, you want to fill your head with the world, 
And so for me, doing something like reading the original text is helpful. Seeing the movies again would not be helpful because then there's the whole performative aspect. And I don't want to think about that. I really just want to be true to the story uh, and find my own Poirot, which uh, has been happening in the, in the rehearsal room already. Uh, to the amusement of of my my fellow cast members, Poirot is a very singular fellow, and he's not always even polite. Um, but I I'm I'm the sort of actor who loves to draw on music, on images, on anything. But at the end of the day, it really starts and ends with the script. And in this case, that script is Ken Ludwig's script, not the original novel. So I inform myself with the original novel. But the story I'm telling, everything I know and must know has to be within the words that Ken Ludwig has put into this script. Because the audience isn't going to see anything else. It might be helpful for me as part of my process, but at the end of the day, all that matters is the words on page because those are the words that go on stage. You are coming down to Florida having just finished another job based off of a very iconic text, uh, having done Romeo and Juliet up in, in New Jersey. When you are bouncing back and forth between two different productions, going from one, it closes, you're coming down to start a new one. How do you make sure that you are getting not only your mind, but your body as well rested and ready to take on this new challenge? It's it's so different with, with theater actors who do a sprint from one show. And then once it finishes, if they're lucky, like you are to go into a new production, it's much different than on film when, you know, you're kind of just going through the process and it takes a lot longer and you can kind of build up to something. But when you are kind of going back and forth between stage productions, when you have to create something new each time, how do you make sure that you're prepared mentally and physically for the task at hand? Wow. These are, these are really great and thoughtful questions, Matt. Uh, I'm loving this uh, because I've just lived through this. So it's been very present in my mind and it's very true. Uh, we had just, uh, I was playing Friar Lawrence uh, for a wonderful new company called The Curtain in Jersey City, New Jersey. We had actually opened uh, in 2019, uh, the first production of the company was Hamlet and I wow. was Polonius in that. Uh, and then COVID happened and bloop, suddenly two weeks before starting rehearsals for Romeo and Juliet, we got put on ice like everybody else in the world. Uh, so on the one hand, I was determined to come back to that role when the company could finally make it happen. But then there was sort of a collision with the schedule for this. And there was no way I was going to miss this either. So what it meant for me was a fairly intense schedule of being Friar Lawrence up until Sunday night at 1030 and Monday morning, I was getting on a plane and heading down here for a Tuesday 9 a.m. fitting and a 10 a.m. rehearsal start as Hercule Poirot. So I had to keep all of that wonderful blank verse of Shakespeare for Friar Lawrence advising Romeo and Juliet in my brain and doing it on stage and making the trek out to Jersey City and then immediately switch gears and just say, OK, now I'm Hercule Poirot and let's just put Friar Lawrence on the shelf there, thanks very much, moving on. And then obviously I had to start working on the lines beforehand. So I was running Friar Lawrence at night and I was working on my lines for Hercule Poirot during the day. And yeah, it, that's a lot to put in your brain. <laughs> um, I think the biggest thing to do is to just be conscious of that and to say, here's what I need. And if what you need right now is a drink of water or 20 minutes with your eyes closed, I do whatever I have to do to protect my body, my psyche, so that I am able to give 100% when I walk into the rehearsal room here. Uh, and it's, it's a lot. 
you know, when I'm working on a show like this, I don't really do much of anything else except eat and sleep. It's just do this show because it's it's my heart and soul until we open. And then then you have the joy of sharing it with the audience, which I am unbelievably excited to do with this production in particular. Were there ever any times when uh, Friar Lawrence all of a sudden spoke with a Belgian accent or anything like that? <laughs> no. <laughs> I would be joked fun. about the horrible possibility that 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 either Fire Lawrence, you know, would be invaded by Hercule or that Hercule would be invaded by Fire Lawrence. But so far, I've been able to keep the two gentlemen uh, in separate parts of my brain. I mean, the 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 Italian friar, uh, you know, he might have traveled, might have traveled uh, elsewhere in Europe. You never know. But um, so are you where where are you based? Are you based in the New York area, in the New Jersey area? Yes, my husband and I live in Yonkers, New York, actually. Okay. Well, I ask because you have been working down here in, in Florida quite a bit over the years, both at Malt Jupiter and mm-hmm. at uh, Riverside Theater, where I saw uh, I saw you in The Mystery of Edwin Drood there, and then also uh, over at Oslo Rep. So you, yeah. you make it down here quite a bit. And having been in New York last week, like uh, I, the weather's changing, so it's not a terrible time to be down here in Florida. No, it works for me. <laughs> I also actually did 39 Steps a second time, 10 years after the Most Stupid Theater production at Gulf Shore. Peter and I had a great time doing go. that again recently, too. But I love working down in Florida for, for a bunch of reasons. And I I absolutely adore working at the Most Stupid Theater. It's just a great space for performers. They They have enormous respect. It's a mutual respect and it's a mutual love and admiration thing. So when I come here, I just know it's all about the work and it's going to be great. And, you know, I was just here last December, I guess, to do a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. And to come back here this year, I'm a, I'm so glad that I get to be part of the 20th anniversary season. Also the get that I get to be Hercule Poirot in murder on the Orient Express to open the 20th anniversary season. I mean, that's pretty darn fabulous for any actor. I'm very grateful for the opportunities that I've had uh, in all of these wonderful theaters in Florida and particularly at the Maltz Jupiter where Andrew Cato has, has opened the door. And I've had some really terrific opportunities and uh, I appreciate each of them. One of the things that when you go to see a show at the Maltz Jupiter is the production values. Every show that they do there is first class. Mm-hmm. It looks great. And as we talked about before, like, Anybody who knows Murder on the Orient Express knows that it's set on a train, and that's sometimes hard to do on on stage. But I know this one. I think this was actually a set built for. I don't remember if it was was Oslo or or Riverside mm-hmm. or some, another theater awesome. in in Florida, Oslo. Um, it's a it's a pretty impressive set piece uh, that you guys are going to be working on in this show. What what can you tell us about it? I don't know if there's anything you're not allowed to spoil about the set, <laughs> but what are you allowed to tell us? about this particular set piece for the show. Yeah, I can tell you that the audiences are going to be blown away by what they see on stage. Uh, not just wonderful performances, because we have a terrific cast that are really, really digging into these wonderful characters, but we have uh, Paul Tate Dupu's spectacular scenic design, Tracy Dorman's gorgeous costumes, and Jimmy Lawler's wonderful lighting. I mean, each of these people is an artist in their own right. And to have them all together is a really wonderful, uh, perfect triumvirate, if you will, of designers. Because what we've ended up with is not just trains, not just one train car, multiple train cars. And you see 
switching between one scene and another scene. We also have projections. There is a beautiful musical score that was written for Peter's production, which is wonderfully atmospheric. It's both fun and mysterious and ominous and all those good things. I honestly think audiences here will not have seen anything like this on stage in the, in the Jupiter area. It is going to be like watching a movie come to life in an extraordinary way. I have never been part of a production that had design quite so remarkable. And I've been in this business a long time. Wow. This is one that I really hope, and we're only running two weeks, which breaks my heart, but I hope people don't miss this one because it's going to be something people talk about for years. Yeah, I can't wait. Very, very much looking forward to that. Um, out, outside of the Poirot and, and Christie lexicon here, do you have a favorite other mystery, whether it's a novel or a play or a movie or, or anything like that? Um, nothing that leaps to mind immediately, but then I was such a fan of Agatha Christie. I have favorite Agatha sure. Christie's. Okay, but well, let's go with that. What's what is your favorite there? Let's let's put Murder on the Orient Express aside. What what else would you give uh, as a recommendation for people to dive into the Christie Canon? If people really want to dive into the Christie Canon, some things that I particularly loved: uh, the murder of Roger Ackroyd, and I don't even want to say why. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> but fair it's enough. a terrific and unusual mystery, and she pulls off a narrative coup that's really quite wonderful uh and you know the whole thing is you would go to a mystery you're, you're trying to sort out the clues and you're trying to figure out and guess what's coming where it's going and boy she completely took me by surprise with that one and i was just so thrilled um there's another one which was adapted uh for television recently and they completely changed the plot so oh. ignore <laughs> that you know i I'm, i hate to say that because i love some of the actors in it but the novel pale horse is is quite mysterious and wonderful but don't watch the one that, that was just on pbs or whatever because they they yeah. just co-opted the plot entire they took the title and and something of the murderish issues and they just kind of completely rewrote the characters and yeah. i i think one of the things i love about ludwig's script here is that he's honoring what dame agatha christie wrote and the character she created uh he's not trying to go her one better you know there's a real respect yeah, absolutely. That, that miniseries starred Rufus Sewell and Bertie Carvel, a, a yeah. stage uh, a stage star in, in his yeah. own right. It is interesting to me when you talk about Christie is that not only was she a novelist, but she also wrote for the stage. Do you think that there is something theatrical about even her novels that lends itself to adaptations like this? You know, that's an interesting question. And some, I think, can be more easily adapted for the stage than others. I mean, she, I have, when I was in my youth, uh, I did uh, two different productions of The Mousetrap as Christopher Wren. Mm -hmm. um, but that one she wrote herself. Uh, however, I would say Ludwig's script for this feels very much of a piece with what Dame Christie did herself for The Mousetrap. Hmm. Um, I think there is... Let me put it this way. I think there is inherently a theatricality to her characters. And that's why they've been so popular in adaptations, not just Hercule Poirot, but also Miss Marple. What a terrific character. You know, well before we had the wonderful uh, Angela Lansbury murder she wrote, we had Miss Marple, who was formidable in her own way and very, very far cry from Hercule Poirot. Agatha Christie gets under the hood and she gets into the heads of all of her characters, whether they're 
you know, children or teens or men or women or any age, any type. And something that I was thinking about uh, as we were working on this, part of the, the frisson that you get from an Agatha Christie or for any good mystery is, I think Agatha Christie makes us realize that under the right circumstances, any of us could be a murderer and any of us could be a victim. Mm -hmm. It's all a very fragile thing, isn't it? Yeah. And I think when we put it into that context, we don't know what happens next. We don't know who will be killed. We don't know who will survive. We don't know who the culprit is. Uh, and certainly writers since then, like George R. R. Martin and others have taken up that, that thought. It's like, wait a minute, I can do anything with my characters. And she really did. So I think there's a theatricality to her characters that often works very well when adapted for the stage or the screen. You had mentioned um, when you were talking about one of your favorite your favorite books about trying to like navigate the idea of all of these clues and figure out what the what the answer was when it comes to Murder on the Orient Express because of how iconic it is and how many different adaptations there are. I, I imagine that many people in the audience that come and see the show are going to know at least the broad strokes of the eventual outcome of the mystery, knowing that. Mm -hmm. Do you approach that a little bit differently as a company or do you just kind of let the story go in and realize that there are going to be things that intrigue and excite people, whether they know the story or not? I think you've hit it right on the head. You, you sort of answered your own question there, Matt. I mean, the bottom line is you're, you're, you're absolutely right on the nose, which is that even if you know the ending, you haven't seen the story told this way. Uh, and it's unique enough. Even if you've seen the film, there are such pleasures to be seen in this production. For one thing, the astonishing visuals that the audience is going to be treated to and watching the set change and things move around. It's the storytelling visually is simply amazing. And that's live, it's all live. So that's an extra zets of energy that you can never get from watching a movie. It's all happening right in front of the audience and it could be a little different every night. Although of course, to your point, the ending is still the ending. We didn't change the ending. I mean, it's, it's not Drood where the ending literally <laughs> can be different every night. That's a, that's a much different type of mystery, but uh, still yeah. a fun one. Nonetheless, uh, yeah. you mentioned the cast and I'll, I'll wrap it up here with just a couple questions. You mentioned the cast. I know that there are some people in this company that you have worked with uh, in the past, I believe for people who are coming to see the show, what can they expect from the dynamic co-stars that you have in the show? We have such a wonderful, wonderful cast. And it's a great mix of, uh, there are three people that I, I know from a season I did at Oslo Rep, uh, wonderful actors all, and everyone else is new to me. And all I can tell you is from day one in the rehearsal room, we just had a great time together and we're still having a great time figuring this all out together. And the part of the fun for us is putting ourselves in the audience's shoes because we want to be very careful. Ken Ludwig is doing this and Peter Amster is brilliant about doing this, but we as actors have a real feel, a real collective responsibility to make sure we're laying out the clues and that we are fairly popping things in front of the audience, even if it's just a fleeting glance or a little glimpse of something that the audience is getting the clues that Agatha Christie would want them to have if they were, for instance, sitting and reading the novel. So I think there's a great deal of fun. Uh, we were joking that if it was a longer run, I'd say, please come back again, 
Because if you see this production once, you're going to thoroughly enjoy the heck out of it. But then if you come back and see it a second time, you are going to see so much more that we're layering in little things we're doing between each other that we're finding still in performance. And those are all clues. But they're the sort of clues that won't really land until I give, you know, I reveal what happened at the end of the story. If you come back and see it a second time, I guarantee you're going to have a whole extra level of fun just watching, going for those, oh, there's a little moment I didn't catch before. I am sure that everybody at the Malt Jupiter will appreciate you reminding people that coming twice has its own uh, special incentives and joys. So uh, <laughs> buying multiple tickets is is always a good thing. Uh, well, Andrew, thank you so much for chatting with us. I, like you, love Agatha Christie. I have not read nearly as many of them as you have, but I do have some that I haven't read on my bookshelf, so I feel like I need to dive into those uh, now as well. But I cannot wait to see the production. I, I know you guys have just finished up the first week or so of rehearsals, and uh, we, of course, will have information on where people can purchase tickets in the show notes here and i am very much looking forward to seeing it in a couple weeks terrific well i look forward to seeing you here and yes do urge people it's that it's, tickets are selling very well for this agatha christie is a popular ticket and i think word is starting to get out around town already about what an amazing production this is going to be these don't come along every day even as some places wonderful as the malt's jupiter so i hope people just jump online whatever they need to do stop by the box office and get themselves some tickets in hand because they do not want to miss this ride.